The Hurling Pod on OTB Sports. I know you listened to James Cahill's podcast with Will Darren Haller. They asked James who was going to win. He said Galway. Well, why do you think? Because I just really, really want him to win. <laughs> Subscribe to the GA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Let's turn our attention to events at the British Grand Prix. I'm delighted to say Chris Medland, Formula One broadcaster and journalist, is with us now. Chris, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well. Thanks. How are you? I saw in one of the papers today um, the halo was described as the controversial or much despised halo. Um, For those of us who are coming to Formula One relatively new, and it turns out there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people tuning into Formula One in um, increasing numbers, the the crowd is swelling. Why was the halo so controversial in the first place and why were people so against it? So... 2017 was the last season that we didn't have the halo. So basically the driver was slightly less protected. You could see them more. You could see them inside the cockpit. Formula One's always been an open cockpit racing series with open wheels. So the wheels aren't covered either. And it was uh, seen at the time as going against the DNA of F1. I mean, let's be honest, it's quite an ugly contraption to have uh, this kind of unit in front of the driver and over the top of them, like almost a cage around them. Uh, And it, it, for some people, took away a bit of the aspect and, and as they would call it, the DNA of F1 uh, and removed the, the ability to see the driver so closely for the driver to have that experience of being completely open um, and, you know, the way Formula One had always been. But it didn't take long for certain incidents to happen where the halo had really saved the driver's life or certainly saved them from serious injury um, that those people that were dead against it started to sort of change their minds. And um, I think this weekend, especially, there's probably two incidents uh, where we can really thank it for making sure that drivers weren't either killed or seriously injured. So, um, yeah, it's it's been one of those things where you just needed a bit of time for the examples to, to roll out for them people to kind of change their minds. The footage is so spectacular at the weekend where the, uh, you know, the, the sparks are flying from the halo and uh, and afterwards the driver is speaking, uh, you know, it's um, it's such a remarkable thing. Uh, does this mean that we'll see more changes in Formula One or is this kind of the end of the, it's now, it, is it now safe enough that they don't need to make too many more changes like this? No, it'll never be safe enough in the sense that Formula One will always keep trying to improve. But I don't think it'd be around the halo that they actually make changes. Uh, I think that was a big, big step to protect the driver's head. Um, obviously, they wear helmets, but as you could see with that accident at the weekend, if the halo wasn't there, the helmet is against the ground at that speed. But that's because the roll hoop failed. So there's a roll hoop at the top of the car that should keep the car a certain distance above the ground if it's upside down or if something lands on top of it to protect the driver's head as well. Uh, And that failed at that speed um, with the heat and and with the impact. Um, It seems that the cars are so heavy now that basically the test will need to be beefed up for next year to make sure that the roll hoops will sustain that kind of uh, force. So that's the sort of thing that will improve moving forward. Essentially, every time you get another case where there's excessive loads or bigger loads that something has to withstand, then everything gets beefed up to deal with it. Um, it kind of in response. So the FIA, the governing body, will be analysing the accidents of the weekend and trying to work out, okay, what can we learn from here to make sure that the next time this happens, the cars are even more safe. How are the drivers from the two incidents at the weekend? So in a sense, I should probably mention three incidents, actually. So Guan Yu Zhou is fine. Um, in fact, all of the drivers are fine, which is great to say. Guan Yu Zhou was the Alfa Romeo driver who was upside down uh, and then his car dug into the gravel trap, flipped over the tyre barrier, 
and landed a gate well hit the fence that stopped it getting into the grandstand and dropped behind the barrier the wrong way so he was stuck in the car for a long time but was completely fine which was incredible and he came out to the pit wall to see his team and kind of make them all know he was okay and, and the crowd was going crazy and he he asked his team members oh who just overtook who thinking Lewis Hamilton had passed someone and the crowd was going wild for that and they're like no no that's for you that you've just come out of that unscathed uh, the other one was Alex Albon who had quite a big hit into the concrete barrier at turn one and it was at the same time with a separate incident uh, and that gave him some back pain so he was taken to a hospital in Coventry uh, by air ambulance just to check him over and actually just took a long time but he's fine he's already um, sort of doing rehab work and should be okay to race this weekend in Austria he was even cooking uh, burgers on the barbecue by Sunday night so it was just precautionary those checks and the other one was a guy called Roy Nassani who races in Formula 2 uh, who had another car basically T-bone him but from an airborne airborne position launched off another curb and without the halo he would have been seriously injured or killed I mean it would have hit his head helmet um clean so uh he's also fine having been so so close to much worse injuries so yeah really in a sense really lucky but these are safety advances that f1 makes to protect against these incidents so as scary as they were it's um, a testament to that work uh, the race itself obviously somewhat overshadowed a little bit in a um aftermath because of, of those incidents but it turns out it was an actually brilliant race as well yeah, it was, a, it was a classic. I mean, a lot of people have been talking about it being one of the best races they've seen. I think because of the racing we got, uh, Silverstone is a high-speed circuit. It's perfect for these new cars that are uh, high downforce but generated in different ways. So drivers can follow more closely, but it's very, very high speed. And we had spells of racing where drivers were three, four wide. Uh, towards the end, there was an amazing moment where Sergio Perez and Charles Leclerc were fighting in the second place. Uh, at the final few corners they both kind of run off the track because they're fighting so hard and Lewis Hamilton passes them both on the inside and the place erupted now Hamilton lost that place two corners later because they can fight so closely but there was some amazing racing going on Carlos Sainz got his first win which was very popular because uh, he's been a popular driver for a while but his spell at McLaren specifically I think really elevated him to another level and everyone was pleased to see him finally get a win for Ferrari Uh, it wasn't a good day for Max Verstappen because of car damage he actually did really well to fight on and finish seventh but I think the home fans that are largely uh, Lewis Hamilton fans were quite pleased to see Verstappen have an off day or, or a tough day um, after he won the title last year. So uh, they were very, very pleased to have Sainz in first. And then Sergio Perez recovered brilliantly to second after damage at the start. And Hamilton got on the podium in third. So there was a spell that looked like Hamilton could have won that race. Mercedes were much more competitive than usual. And if he'd have won it, I don't, if there are any roofs on some of the grandstands, they definitely would have come off. But uh, yeah, third was still a good result for him. The uh, process by which Mercedes are trying to become competitive over the course of the season. Is there anything they can do to accelerate that so the end of the season is more interesting from their perspective or are we really looking at next year before that car is genuinely capable of producing a contender for a world title? No, I think they're making good progress now, actually. There's certain upgrades they've brought that they've started to understand things. They might be a bit limited in their development this year that they can't quite get onto the level of Red Bull and Ferrari at every circuit. But I think we'll see them closer to the top two sort of from the summer break onwards at most tracks and at certain tracks that suit them, uh, circuits like Suzuka, which is very high speed in Japan and smooth, uh, and smooth is the, the thing they need, uh, then they're going to be very, very competitive and in the fight for wins. So uh, Austria is a bit TBC, which is coming up this weekend. But in two weeks, we then go to France, Paul Ricard, and that's a smooth circuit with some high speed corners where I think they'll be competitive again. So uh, I think as the season goes on, we'll actually see a more more competitive Mercedes, but they're probably too far back to really be a, a threat in the championship battle. They can just probably worry Red Bull and Ferrari more regularly for fights for race wins. But the, the feeling will be that next year they will be properly competitive again? 
you'd hope so, but at the same time, you know, they're, they're on the back foot from this year and this is the start of a new era of car. The other two teams have kind of nailed their concepts a bit better. They've been more competitive this year and they will upgrade their cars for next season too. So they will refine what they've already got. Now, in one sense, Mercedes has more scope for improvement uh, or they could go for a different concept if they feel like what they've gone for isn't going to get them to the front again. But they seem confident that if they can make it work, they've got a race-winning car in there. So uh, I think it's higher probability that they have a stronger start to 2023 than they did this year but there's no guarantees based on the fact that everyone will be doing the same sort of work to improve yeah of course uh, everybody else going to improve at the same time what about um hamilton's future is, is there any chatter around about a potential retirement next year no i think there was a bit from uh sir jackie stewart saying that he thought that lewis should kind of retire and go and uh, pursue some of his other interests rather than sort of fade from competitiveness at the front but a hamilton was not happy to hear that uh, and jackie stewart actually wanted to clarify that he kind of didn't mean right now it's just at the at the moment that happens um and that's not happening yet i mean we saw lewis at his best at times at the week at silverstone some of the moves some of the rating was sensational and um so clean it's the stuff that you really need to be so precise there was a move with charlotte clerk at the place where hamilton and Verstappen collided last year very controversially where the two of them went inches wheel to wheel uh, through the corner, Leclerc actually overtook Hamilton around the outside. One of the best moves I've seen in a long, long time. But the way they were both fighting, and Hamilton did come out on top in the end, um, was sensational to watch. And uh, I don't think that Hamilton will be retiring anytime soon, partly because he loves that racing, he loves those moments, uh, but he also loves the fact that he's seeing Mercedes just claw its way back towards the front. And and if this year is not going to be a championship-winning year, which it almost certainly isn't, then next year is more likely to be one if they can start on the right foot. So, uh, yeah, he'll be kind of thinking that this year is the year to work hard and try and put those foundations in place to try and get that eighth title in 2023. We've spoken a good bit on the show, Chris, over the last 18 months, really, about the, the popularisation and the, the second coming of the sport. Um, while, while obviously the hype around it is hugely important in, in dragging the new fans in and showing the soap opera, the most important thing is the quality of the racing being good and, and sustainably good. And it turns out that actually, while... Uh, you know the sport has been accused of being hyper conservative in in the past the changes that they've made to allow the type of racing that you've described at Silverstone at the weekend has been really beneficial the product has been ready i suppose for the hype that has been coming alongside us Oh, absolutely. Uh, I was kind of uh, surprised, but pleasantly surprised yesterday. I, I just played football here back home uh, on a Monday night. And one of the guys that I play with went to his first Grand Prix at Silverstone. I didn't know he was there. Uh, and he was sat um, at a corner where there was some overtaking, not loads, but some. And he said it's the best sporting event he's ever been to. He said he went from kind of a casual F1 fan who followed it and watched races on TV a bit to now he wants to go to multiple races. He says the event, the atmosphere everything's incredible and the racing was brilliant and he was supporting Hamilton and he said every time he comes by it's like a goal being scored like every two minutes uh, and he just said that 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 atmosphere and excitement you, you just can't escape it so I think that's what's been really important that anyone who does that invest a lot of money and put in a lot of effort to get to one of these races because there's over 140,000 now on Sunday you've got to deal with a big crowd and uh, a lot of walking around and waiting around and traffic uh, you need a, a good show at the end of it and that's exactly what they got so you're right Formula One has been working on multiple different fronts at kind of expanding its reach and its growth and its popularity and it's done it through off-track uh, ventures like Drive to Survive or the way it's done on the TV series or the way it's opened up social media. The drivers are, are more personal, more personable now. They're, they're really letting their personalities show through and they're very honest uh, through social media and stuff like that mainly. But then they get into the cars and we're getting good racing because 
F1 also invested in these rules and regulations and the research to try and make sure that the cars were still extremely quick. That's the main thing. You want them to be amazing technological uh, creations that are rapid, but that you can race with them. Uh, and it's not hard to put the two together. So they've done a really, really good job, I think, this year of, of making a step towards that. I am just really disappointed that uh, Eddie Irvine isn't a uh, 15, 17, 19-year-old driver breaking through right now because, I mean, you know, this this would be his moment to shine with uh, with a desire for people to have a bit of uh, personality. One last question for you. Um, a YouTube commenter who's watching Shifty Lads, regular contributor to the show, asks, can you ask, value for money, weather, country, what's the best Formula 1 race to go to in Europe? In Europe, I'd probably say uh, Budapest, the Hungarian Grand Prix. An amazing city that's not too expensive. Uh, the track's not too far away. The weather's normally great. Uh, the fans are great. You get a lot of Scandinavian fans coming down as well to there that uh, like to have a good time. Uh, and the racing's been pretty good there in the last few years. It used to be actually a bad track for racing, but that's certainly improved as well. So, uh, yeah, I think value for money, uh, I'd probably go with Budapest. All right. Come for the F1 analysis. Get some travel advice. Chris, great to have you with us this morning. <laughs> Thanks a million. Cheers. No worries. Thank you. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.